brace yourself because you're about to dive into another free first hour episode of the Higher Side Chats. And we just want to let you know that whether you're looking for a companion through your paranoid insomnia, entertaining yourself through one of life's mundane activities, or trying to ward off the internal screams of all those sad, smothered souls around the office, THC is here. And you should know that every episode of the Higher Side Chats has an entire second hour for Plus members. Sign up at thehiresidechatsplus.com and you'll get years of Plus show archives, lifetime forum access, a special invite to Greg Carlwood's monthly joint sessions, MP3s of THC music, bonus episodes, tour videos, and 10% off t-shirts, grinders, and whatever else ends up in the Higher Side store. It's $8 a month that you won't miss. So become a Plus member and treat yourself in these troubled times. Always action-packed and commercial-free, which means you'll unfortunately never hear my voice again. In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Happy days are here again, Higher Side Chatters, as we chart another course through the strange and suppressed reality of self-healing. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood. And we've done more than our due diligence to dissect Big Pharma and the medical monopoly that has dominated the Western world for as long as anyone knows. And we've learned that petrochemicals and the cozy relationship between the oil companies, frankenfood manufacturers, and corporate healthcare are probably not the best ways to go about health and wellness. And so we dig through the forgotten history of natural, holistic medicine, herbology, suppressed cancer remedies, epigenetics, energy healing, the power of positive thought, and a whole host of other offerings as we try to resurrect the forgotten mindset that you have more power and control over your health than the system wants you to realize. And through learning about the work of previous guests like Bruce Lipton and Dean Radin, it's clear we need to rewrite what we consider to be the rules of reality. And nobody knows these things more firsthand than today's guest, Saul Luckman, as he suffered a devastating reaction to the vaccines recommended for international travel, and after years seeking out all the alternative treatments he could find, ended up having a mystical experience complete with a direct download of information that revealed an effective healing modality that he's been perfecting and promoting ever since, which employs special linguistic codes produced vocally and mentally, as well as specific breathing techniques and tuning forks that all come together in what he calls the regenetics method and the process of potentiating your DNA. When he's not teaching the world to heal our broken energy bodies, Soul is also working as a prolific visual artist and innovator in the field of ink paintings, as well as a critically acclaimed author of fiction and nonfiction. His numerous books include the international best-selling Conscious Healing, Book 1 on the Regenetics Method, described by Nexus as, quote, revolutionary healing science expanding the boundaries of being, and his follow-up, Potentiate Your DNA, a practical guide to healing and transformation with the Regenetics Method. Also, his latest novel, Snooze, A Story of Awakening, chronicles the riveting coming-of-age tale of one extraordinary boy's awakening to the world-changing reality of his dreams, offering an insightful look at a plethora of paranormal subjects, from Bigfoot and lucid dreaming to time travel via the Bermuda Triangle. 
And let it be known that Snooze also won the National Indie Excellence Book Award in 2015. The man has talents, and I'm psyched to get into him. Here he is, the DNA doctor, the phase shift facilitator, and the professor of potentiation. Soul, my good man, welcome to the higher side. Thanks for having me. I'm humbled and honored and a little embarrassed by all of that. <laughs> oh, well, don't be embarrassed. You know, you've done a lot of great stuff, and I just like to have a little bit of fun with people's intros and get people psyched for the road ahead. And thanks so much for your willingness to be here. I think your story and your system check a lot of boxes within the wide range of things we like to talk about. Everything from vaccine damage and downloads from higher intelligence to natural healing and the power of consciousness, all that good stuff. And we should probably give the people a bit more context for your story because it is so crucial to understanding the road to where you are now. So... Get us started. Break us into the Saul Luckman story, as it were. Well, you touched on it when you mentioned vaccines being a trigger for an autoimmune illness. That happened a number of years ago when I was in graduate school and I was going to do research in South America. And I was a good little, a good little sheeple <laughs> and went and got my vaccines that were recommended. They weren't required, but they were recommended. And I had the HEP vaccines and the yellow fever vaccine. And within about a year, I went from being a very robust athlete, extremely apparently healthy person, to being an autoimmune wreck where I couldn't eat just anything practically except unseasoned meat and vegetables. <laughs> wow. uh, even just the simplest grains or cheeses or dairy would just absolutely send me into all kinds of symptoms. I documented 30 or so symptoms at one point that I was having almost simultaneously on any, you know, at any given time, they were in play. Mm. And I went to any number of medical doctors, holistic doctors, holistic practitioners, energy workers, healers, and spent thousands and thousands of dollars and was only just getting sicker. And then I got on like a certain path. I was doing another form of energy work that I was actually doing. I had learned from somebody who was doing a type of allergy elimination technique. And I began testing the people that I was working with to see what was making them sick because everyone was such an autoimmune mess. It was just a circus, really, all the symptoms, many of which reminded me of myself. And I still wasn't well, but I was doing this because I was called to do it and I had taken time away from the graduate studies path. So I was able to do an enormous amount of testing on these clients as well as some other people who volunteered, including my partner Lee, who was a really big piece of all of this. She's sort of in the shadows compared to me kind of being <laughs> out there as the spokesperson for this, but she's a vital piece of the puzzle. And I discovered that really I was able to, in a kinesiological way and in, in an energy testing way, I was able to validate a lot of what I had been reading in places like Leonard Horowitz's books and Suzanne Humphrey's books and other people who have studied vaccines and what they put in them, what they do to your genetics, how they change your genetics, how they basically rewrite the DNA to create disease, pathogenic overgrowth in the cells the cellular matrix, 
in order to shut down certain functions and induce essentially what I think of as a sick care system where everyone is kind of vaccine damaged to one degree or another, and it shows up in different ways and different people for different reasons. It's a kind of long discussion. But in any case, that's a huge piece along with mercury and fillings and pesticides and other factors that basically has created a nation and a world of the walking dead. I sometimes wonder why that show is so popular and just goes on season after season after season. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's just a mirror of who we are as a society. Mm. We're just these walking dead people who have been shot to hell and back. Excuse my French. That's all good. And we don't know how to heal ourselves because we don't even know what's making us sick because no one is actually telling us the truth. And then even if we knew so many people who were on to vaccines as a cause for what's going wrong with their bodies, they don't know what to do about it. There just aren't tools that can undo that level of genetic damage. Mm -hmm. So with that as a backdrop that I was prompted ultimately to travel to South America with Lee, I, I thought maybe I was dying. I said goodbye to my family as if I were going away for good. And while we were there, there were a number of very serendipitous and mystical experiences. I document some of them in my books on regenetics. The upshot was that Lee and I were both given a series of linguistic codes, vowel-based codes, that we implemented first on ourselves, and I immediately began to heal. Hmm. And Lee also experienced some very radical healing of some long-term conditions like her asthma. And then we began sharing the technique with a select group of people and compiling some testimonials from that. And it just went from there. In subsequent years, we developed other phases of this work. So it sort of charts a path from working on the physical level to working on a mental level to an emotional level and then even a spiritual level. Mm. Is that enough of an intro to the concept? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, definitely important context. And long story short, you saw some orbs in the sky. You got these downloads. I think it's a great story. I'm definitely of the mindset that higher intelligence or our own higher self can supply us with valuable information if we seek it or are in a time of need. You call these linguistic codes, which to me is on the money because whether we're talking about John D drawing down Enochian from the angels, as he called them, or inventors feeling as if ideas are just beamed into their heads. We've heard that before. Yep. It's a pattern that seems legit to me. Got plenty of examples of it. And the fact that you were kind of in a state of trauma or desperation is just another one of those things that matches up with the template for this sort of mystical experience, whatever it is. Agreed. And then the codes, after seeing the lights or the orbs or whatever they were, they began coming through in dreams or during sleep. Mm. So that's another piece of it. What's the name of the Indian mathematician who received all of his knowledge about higher mathematics from a goddess during his sleep? It starts with an R. It's a very, very brilliant mathematician. I forget his name, but maybe we can figure that out at some point. <laughs> yes, I'm unfamiliar with that, but it is textbook. You know, Francis Crick has that story about the DNA helix. Uh, Tesla talked about getting his inventions through 
or his concepts, I guess, through some kind of communication. It's all in that soup for sure. Sure. I mean, Crick maybe was on acid at the time, but well, right, um, right. that works too. <laughs> Altered states and all that. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's fascinating when you think about all the research that's beginning to happen. I can't even believe it's happening, that they're allowing it to happen, research on psilocybin for depression and anxiety and that kind of thing. It's, you know, sometimes I'm encouraged by what I see. It's just that there's so much that needs to be changed and it's not changing fast enough for me and for a lot of people who are suffering. Well, cheers to that. And I always look at some of these organizations and labs with a skeptical eye, but I think it's ultimately a good thing. I mean, anyone who's had experiences with these substances would probably be on the side of, yeah, there should be more. We should have this knowledge. People should have these experiences, especially people who have experienced trauma. It works wonders. It's a great spiritual medicine. So I'm with you there. Yeah. All good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that caution is certainly not a bad idea when approaching those things and knowing what you're doing. Was it James Fadiman who wrote a wonderful book? Yeah, I think it was Fadiman, The Psychedelic Explorer's Guide. He was an Ivy League professor and he wrote about sort of how to do it and, you know, how to, how to have a guide and different approaches all the way from microdosing, which apparently Steve Jobs used <laughs> to uh, up his creativity all the way through different levels of dosing to have different experiences and different effects. So I think just going at it blind, as a lot of people do, is probably not the best idea, you know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. One can do one's research and get a lot more out of it. Yes. And the point is that there is much more to what a human is, to what consciousness is, than just what we can see. And there are many modalities and mechanisms for getting certain effects through that. And that is basically also something that applies to potentiate your DNA. And I was going to say this. So if listeners feel like they've heard the name Sol Luckman on this show before, it's because I had a recent episode with Eileen Day McCusick about her biofield tuning work. And as we got deeper into it in the second hour, I brought up a term that she had either used in a previous interview or in her book which really resonated with me, which was the slavery yoke. And that is when she gave us a breakdown of your work. So I assume the term originated with you, but I am very much intrigued by the idea that humans are engineered with some sort of limiters baked right into our energetic selves or our genetic code or something of the sort. And that is kind of what the term implies, right? That's part of what you discovered or part of the information that was downloaded, is that correct? Yes, I was actually given that information by more than one individual, or pointed in that direction. And the term I ended up using was fragmentary body. Right. And then, independently of my work, Eileen had discovered what she was calling the slavery yoke and the energetics. And we both saw it as a huge energy disruption in the energy body, kind of a crack or a fissure down in the second chakra, the sex chakra. Hmm. And we've had a number of conversations about this. I mean, I love Eileen's work, and she's been a tremendous supporter of my work. And we agree on much more than we disagree about in terms of, <laughs> of that. But 
I understood it immediately as what keeps Kundalini from rising up through the system without an impediment. Mm. So if you've heard of people who have sort of a classic Kundalini blowout, where they're just yes. almost put in a coma from having one of these experiences when it just blasts up into their lobes. What's happening is in order to get the Kundalini to go from the first center of the body, the first chakra area and, and the field that's related to that up into the higher chakras, it has to almost be like evil Knievel and jump over the second chakra, which is this giant canyon. And then it's going so fast that it just comes up into the upper chakras and it blows people's circuits. Right. Yeah, I've heard those stories for sure. I knew a man. I had had a couple of conversations with him. I read his book. He wrote a book on electrical nutrition. I think his name is Denny Highstand. He's an Australian. And he was actually known as someone who could help people recover from those states of being blown out by kundalini blowouts and he was flown all over the place to do this hmm. it's so interesting so were you told how we got this fragmented body or these limiting codes into us were we engineered in the distant past are we being punished <laughs> from a higher spiritual plane for past transgressions <laughs> or is it something that builds up from living in the sixth society crafted by this capstone cabal what say you Saul? Oh, gosh. Well, you can look at it from all of those perspectives, and there could be truth to all of them. Mm. It's very prismatic. Basically, what I've concluded, getting out of the victim stance that, oh, look at the Anunnaki engineering our DNA. Oh, we're their little slaves and, you know, all of Adamo stuff. And, you know, some of that may be true. In any case, I like the law of one perspective. That's really what I've come around to, and I don't know if most people are familiar with that, but it's a body of teachings that came about in the 80s through somebody who was channeling what she called raw. Mm -hmm. Very, very fascinating material that David Wilcock has expanded on over the years. It's really mm -hmm. been the touchstone for his work. It's not been so much the touchstone for mine, but it's been illuminating in a number of areas. And one of the concepts in the law of one is that as we go from being, let's say, at first density or in the first dimension, density and dimension are not exactly the same thing, but as we go from being just an embodiment of something physical like a rock, then we become a tree or in the second density, we become a tree or, a, or an animal. And then when we hit third density, we become what we think of as humans, as people. And then when you go into fourth and beyond into the upper densities, you begin to occupy your light body and have angelic abilities and that kind of thing. Mm. But the third density is all about separation, being separated from any knowledge of your higher self. And the separation in this body of teaching is designed to make you seek. And the act of seeking acts as a, what is called a catalyst to propel your evolution of consciousness, your spiritual evolution towards higher realizations of who you are. And ultimately, in the largest possible scheme, who you are is the creator. Hmm. But well before you get there, you end up <laughs> meeting your higher self and the upper densities. And the higher self acts as a guide leading you forward on your spiritual path. Mm -hmm. 
So we are described as living in a darkness that we're navigating with a candle. Right. But maybe we can turn the candle into a torch. Maybe we get a bonfire at some point, you know, as we, as we <laughs> expand our enlightenment to understand more of reality. So for me, the fragmentary body was engineered by ourselves in higher dimensions who were responsible for helping create us in our present dimension as the separation principle itself. Hmm. Well, I think that makes sense. Now, this is not a law of one concept. I want to say that. This is not something that you read about in the law of one, but it is something that I've been able to conflate with my research into the fragmentary body. Right, right. Well, people have said that Earth is some type of spirit school or a game of sorts. And of course, there is that mindset that our brain filters out more than it filters in because otherwise we couldn't have any kind of experience if we didn't see separation between us and the table and the car and the road and all that stuff. So right on, right on. There's definitely an argument to be made that it's just part of the game. It's just part of the system or there could be no game. You know, if you didn't have the structure of a Monopoly board with uh, well-defined places to go around, you couldn't play Monopoly. And so, you know, maybe we need this limiter to even be in this third-dimensional world having a human experience. That's my understanding. That is exactly my understanding. I think Keats said it best. He described this world as a veil of soul-making. Mm, I like it. I like it. So, all right. Potentiation electromagnetic repatterning is the full name of this process, and it fixes what you call the fragmented body. You write that this unparalleled form of sound healing, which employs specific vowel combinations sung to the renowned Sofeggio scale, was partly inspired by new genetic research revealing that DNA can be sonically activated, non-invasively and even remotely to actualize your unique potential in all, in all aspects, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, like you mentioned. Can you talk to us a bit more about that genetic research so that we can make a good case to the skeptics out there that this, this is real stuff and it has a foundation and there are people stumbling along the clues? Sure. I'll break this into two parts. The first is just the epigenetic argument. So... There's this wonderful new expanding science that's been spearheaded by people like Bruce Lipton that shows how basically the cell membrane is the brain of the cell, not the nucleus. And that the membrane reacts to stimuli from the environment to turn on and off genes. And environmental stimuli can include the foods that you're eating. It can include pollution or toxins. It can include vaccines on the negative side. It can also include your emotions, your thoughts, the things that you say or don't say. You know, it's all about the power of positive thinking to a certain degree, but it even goes beyond that into what I term in my books on regenetics, the power of positive feeling, where you're actually generating certain emotions that have even more power than just thoughts to change DNA and to make DNA healthier. And once you do that, then any number of things are possible. So, you know, there's the epigenetic side where sound and sound healing make complete sense just by being able to 
initiate subtle changes in DNA, in gene expression, that allow for changes in health to occur. And when I say health, I also mean mental and emotional health and even spiritual health, in addition to physical health. Mm-hmm. In addition to the epigenetic side of, of this background, you have the wave genetics side, which is something that's been written about all over the place for a couple of decades now. And it goes back to a couple of scientists primarily. One is Vladimir Poponin, and another is Peter Garayev. They're both, to the best of my knowledge, Russian. I know Peter is. I've had numerous correspondences with him. Sometimes you'll hear his name pronounced Garayev. I'm not sure how it's pronounced in Russian. In any case, they both did work on using sound and light energies based in linguistics, based in what they call genetic linguistics, to change gene expression at a level that far exceeds the ability of epigenetics. To the point where they could actually script DNA in, let's say, a salamander to reconfigure itself in embryo. And instead of a salamander being born, you would get frogs. Wow. (laughs) And they were using sound and what I think of as light energies. So they were using sound and, and electromagnetic energy based in linguistic codes rooted in our DNA. DNA is a kind of language, and there's an entire little field of study called genetic linguistics where you can explore that this concept a little bit more. Mm. But they were actually able to do some very radical space-age sci-fi types of things to DNA. So with both of those as kind of supports, my concept was that you can use your voice and your mind, so that's your sound and your light, Voice would be sound, thoughts would be your light, and you can combine those in a very similar way to what the wave geneticists did, and you can create very positive changes in genetic expression, in terms of gene expression, and you can facilitate healing, but you can also facilitate the evolution of consciousness. You can help with mental health issues and emotional wellness. You can do many, many things when you begin promoting well-being in this manner. Hmm. Hmm. So many people experiencing regenetics report that they have positive, that they have benefits spanning the mind-body-spirit spectrum. It's really not just about the body. Right, right. Yes, when it comes to the effects of this potentiation process, the list is pretty epic. Allergy elimination, enhanced energy, parasite cleansing, pain relief, physical strengthening, sharper thinking, better digestion, straighter posture, healthier urination, thicker hair, increased serendipity, heightened manifestation, greater abundance. I mean, this is like... I got bit by a radioactive spider level superhero stuff, man. I mean, it almost sounds too good to be true. Help us, help us get there. I mean, this is just from realigning ourselves to the other layers of our consciousness and re, uh, kind of establishing that fragmented body, reintegrating it. 
Yeah, I think that's a huge piece of it. I mean, if you to touch on the law of one again, they actually address, and I only read the law of one after I had developed regenetics with Lee and after, you know, years had gone by and then I read the law of one material and I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And they talk about the power of vowels and how vowels were used by the creator. So in law of one terms, that would be used by ourselves in some hyper-reality to configure reality. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, the way I see it, your higher self is speaking these codes that create our 3D experience of reality. So if we can tap into even a small portion of that and use them in the here and now, we can do miraculous things. <laughs> well said. There's an apocryphal story, if I recall, of Jesus. And I forget which text this is in, but it was fascinating to me. I never read it. I heard about it. So this is not, I'm not 100% sure, but it's a fascinating story where he's been training in some kind of speech and he comes back to show his teachers. Maybe he's been in India at the time and there are these clay pigeons that are in the room where he is and he speaks these words and then he claps his hand and the pigeons turn into real pigeons and fly off. Hmm. So the power of sound is, is truly amazing. I mean, we know that we respond to music in such an amazing way, in such a powerful way, and it can be absolutely life-changing. I'm a firm believer that music has changed the world repeatedly over the years. Oh, yeah. Even though the 60s and the Woodstock movement and all of that didn't exactly create the world they were trying to create, they brought so much attention and awareness to issues that we're still learning lessons from that generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Indeed. Absolutely, and they use music as their primary tool. So I think it makes perfect sense that this is possible. I didn't know what these codes would do when we began using them. Over the years, we just got testimonial after testimonial. We started posting them on our site. There's just pages of testimonials. We haven't even really posted many testimonials in the last five years because it's just so many. It's gotten to be overkill. It's just too much. You know, we're going to turn people away if there's just, you know, hundreds of pages of testimonials, but that's basically what we've received. So I don't know if I answered your question, but <laughs> this work is a, is a, you know, a mutant spider bite, but it's powerful <laughs> in its own way. Well, right. I mean, it's just, it is almost superhuman level effects when you combine all this stuff, but I definitely think there's a, a sound relationship. I've read a a little bit about Russian psi research that shows that it seems like you can learn a language almost overnight. If you're hearing particular music crafted for that purpose in the background, people use music for increasing concentration and creativity. There's definitely a relationship there. And I like to get into the science because I do try to make sure people know that this isn't completely out of left field. There is a foundation for a connection between sound frequency and effects on DNA or on consciousness. And when it comes to this potentiation specifically, just to make sure everyone knows what we're talking about, as you said, it's a combination of chanting really this like shamanic, Icaros-like linguistic code. I mean, there's a history there with the shamans and being able to heal with their own set of linguistic codes, basically. And also implementing a tuning fork and then rhythmic breathing. And 
Rhythmic breathing, that's another box to check in terms of ways to alter consciousness to reach unknown heights, because there's a lot of people who have methodologies that are basically just using that. So you're bringing these three components together. And what's so interesting is you say that with confidence, you don't need to be new agey. You don't need to be a meditator. You just need to do it. A single 30-minute session. And even if you don't get it perfect, it's going to work if you have a well-intentioned mind and heart. But it's a nine-month process. That's interesting. Can you tell people what going through that process is like once they've done the 30-minute potentiation? Yeah, sure. I'll address that in just a second. I I was just going to chime in on you had such good things to say about some other related topics there. I mean, you've got binaural beats, you've got holotropic breath work, you've certainly got the entire field of shamanism. I mean, Michael Harner's books are fascinating. Michael Harner was professor, or is a professor still. I think he's emeritus at this point in time. He's been, I think he was at Columbia at one point. He discovered Carlos Castaneda back in the day. He wrote Cave and Cosmos and the Way of the Shaman. And his books are based on his extensive field research with shamans, mostly in South America and Ecuador and some other places, who taught him that you can use simple drumming, rhythmic drumming, to induce changes in consciousness that allow one to travel into alternative, non-ordinary realities. And in that reality, you can accomplish things that then occur when you come back to this reality. Mm -hmm. It's extremely similar to Dewey Larson's notion of space-time and time-space. He was an engineer in the 50s who developed a reciprocal system of physical theory, an amazing body of work that helps explain how we actually do have a unified field. There is a unified field of energy and perhaps of consciousness that we exist in where energy from time-space, which would be non-ordinary reality, flows into space-time, which is where we live, and then it goes from space-time back into time-space ceaselessly. And if you can change things in time-space, you can have manifestations of that occur in your reality in space-time. So the concept of Regenetics and potentiation in, in particular in this discussion is that you use these codes to access your blueprint, your inner energy blueprint, your subtle anatomy, which exists as a template of energy in non-ordinary reality, which is time-space. Okay. You use these codes to change the structure of your energy body and to heal distortions in that body. And then over time, over nine months or roughly 42 weeks, basically a gestation or a rebirth cycle, birth or rebirth, over time, 42 weeks, that energy flows from time-space back into space-time. And as it does, it brings about numerous changes in one's, potentially brings about numerous changes in one's physical well-being, etc. Hmm. In terms of what that's like for somebody, you tell me, because everyone seems absolutely different. Some people experience this with intense physical detox. They're so full of toxins that they just start releasing them, and that goes on for some period of time, and usually in waves. Fortunately, it tends to be manageable 
if difficult at times. Other people have none of that, and they have various breakthroughs in other areas. Their relationships improve, or maybe their relationships, their marriage doesn't improve, but it was a bad marriage to begin with, and it goes away, and some time passes, and then they find someone they really resonate with. Hmm. So many things can happen, and again, that's borne out in the testimonials that we've published, as well as the ones that we've not published, that I've just concluded that there's almost no way of knowing how it's going to affect a given person. Right, right. Having said that, typically it's beneficial. You know, we don't get a lot of, you know, I feel worse. (laughs) You know, I mean, sometimes people will say that while they're detoxing, but after a period of time, they'll begin to feel stronger. Right, right. You say in the book, it's not often pleasant or pretty, but you come out on the other side in a state of living, walking, waking meditation, and that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's that alignment that we seem to be lacking. Absolutely. I don't know if you're familiar with Brendan Murphy. No. He wrote a book called The Grand Illusion, which is, he's an Australian writer. He's really fantastic. Brilliant guy. And this book is full of everything you would love, Greg. (laughs) It's absolutely chock full of it all. And he's gone into just copious detail about all of the psi research and research into the supernatural and into consciousness and alternative healing and everything in the world. Beautiful. Brendan's been a regenetics facilitator for years and has written a number of articles on this method, some of which are on our website at phoenixregenetics.org. And he likens it to a kind of liberation of the spirit going through this process where you overcome the slavery yoke, to use Eileen's term, (laughs) and you begin to take control of your life and become more empowered in all areas, physically, but also in terms of your stance vis-a-vis the world. A lot of people who go through this experience intense levels of empowerment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can be an up and down process because it's not always, that always isn't always pretty, if you know what I mean. Sometimes you can blow people out when you're beginning to really feel your power. And sometimes your relationships might suffer. And sometimes those relationships weren't very good for you to begin with and they need to be blown out. So leaving aside all judgments about that, it's such a powerful process that I believe from what I've seen for you know many years now, that it's beneficial even when it's hard because people typically come out on the other side and something really profound has happened in their lives. Yeah, I mean, that is what the whole history of secret societies and esoteric orders have been about, is developing processes for getting to that place of alignment, of mastery, of basically increasing manifestation and abundance. That's what the magic schools have always been about in their various processes. And when you get into a lot of those magic schools or esoteric orders, they're not even sure at the top if what they communicate with is actually separate from themselves or if it's a part of themselves. Crowley and the holy guardian angel thing. A lot of people have an introductory understanding that this is something separate, But then as you go through the ranks and you really get to the end of that road, you're like, wait a minute, I'm not so sure. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's a part of myself. Maybe it's all me, as Lone Milo Duquette says. It's all in your head. 
you just have no idea how big your head is. <laughs> I like that. This is what people have been seeking, you know. This is just, I guess, a way to say there are many roads to get there, but people got to walk a path beyond kitchen to couch, you know, as we're encouraged to do. And this might be a very potent way to get there that you've developed or you've actually, I guess, channeled wouldn't be an unfair way to describe it, I guess. I suppose not. I admit to having a prejudice against that term and against a lot of channeling in general. But not entirely. Obviously, I talked about the law of one. I just think that's on a different level from so much that I've read, that I've experienced. Yeah. I mean, really, even scientists have grappled with this question of where do we stop and where does something other begin? I mean, Heisenberg and his work can be interpreted in a mundane way as being, you know, we can affect the action of particles, right, by our observation. But a more radical understanding of the implications of his research would be that we're really creating all of that that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of fall into that latter camp. I think the implications of his work are truly mind-blowing and world-changing. Yes, yes. And I'm pretty much there intellectually, but I do have difficulty following through on some of this. And I, I am going to try your process, but I couldn't really be the guinea pig for today's show because it does take nine months to go through this system reboot of sorts. Sure. Obviously, going over the scientific foundation and context is helpful. And just, I mean, to be honest, I do struggle with some of these things that seem a bit out there. But outside of personal experience, I can go off Eileen. She was willing to vouch for your system. I can also read the dozens and dozens of testimonials I've seen. And I can also factor in the Amazon reviews of your book. And despite this being a pretty strange and polarizing protocol in today's modern world, you only have two one-star reviews and they both state that they did not try it. So those opinions are pretty much meaningless to me, but everywhere I'm looking, it seems overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, we've been so amazed. Lee and I have been so amazed and at times shocked by the, by the, the overwhelmingly positive response to this work. When we began introducing people to it, I suppose, we had no idea what to expect. Not really. If I expected anything, I had some trepidation about just being laughed at or rejected. And of course, we do get, you know, knee-jerk skeptics who won't even admit that extraterrestrials exist after the Navy just said they did, you know, so, <laughs> or that UFOs, I should say, not extraterrestrials necessarily. So we're talking about people who just aren't even willing to look at facts and have no real ability to entertain possibilities. And that's the ones who aren't being bought and paid for to just put a wrench in the system. You know, a lot of them are just on the payroll of big pharma and the cabal and whatever. So, yes. you know, we've been lucky that we've not had more of that kind of negative response over the years. I mean, there's been some, you're always going to have that. And I've never said this will heal everything for everybody. I make no medical claims whatsoever. And I'm very open in saying that I don't know how it's going to affect a given person. It's experiential. Yes. Yes. I understand that. And you're right. There 
are a lot of people on that cabal payroll. I mean, Navy included, you know, you, you don't even need the Navy's recent disclosures, quote unquote, to to show that there is a very long history of strange contact experiences and more than enough to go on that I don't need to have a personal experience to know that something's up. Yeah, that something's up, even if you don't know what it is, to shut it down, to say that that this is impossible, when clearly it is possible and it's happening, even if it's ourselves flying strange craft into the skies, it's just, you know, it's either, like I said, something very evil and insidious, like someone being paid to cause problems for people, or it's an extreme example of hubris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that is one of the curiosities to me, is how much about this does the cabal know? Do they know more about our true history? Do they know about this limitation? Did the Vatican know about the relationship between light and DNA? Is that why they have the freaking largest telescopes on the planet? It seems like an odd thing for the Vatican to be investing in unless they know something about the building blocks or codes of reality. I mean, people say that it's built into the Bible, so I would assume people who have studied all those texts locked away in the Vatican archives might know a thing or two about the real underlying structures and and maybe they use that to their own benefit. I assume that that is absolutely true. And I assume that every single book from the Library of Alexandria is in the Vatican. And they have all oh. of that ancient knowledge. <laughs> I would love to hope so. But uh, sadly, I mean, that, that's a much more positive thought than the fact that it's lost forever. That would be quite terrible. So I hope it's there. I mean, fingers crossed, because at least then there's a chance that we'll get it someday. It just seems like an early example of a kind of false flag to me, and, and I've read other people who have had that opinion too, and then some of the some of the knowledge that's being expressed in very cryptic ways very often by the Catholic Church, you know, would suggest that they're drawing on ancient wisdom traditions with a lot of firepower, and then you get into the telescopes, and we know that space dust will spontaneously configure itself into helices like DNA, and we know that all of this very fascinating concepts having to do with exobiology and bacteria in space dust or on meteorites coming in and seeding our world, terraforming, yeah. whatever, you know, it's just, there's yeah. so much to it, you know, it's an incredible discussion. Exactly. Like directed panspermia, these, these panspermia, ideas. that was the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm all into that stuff. I think the, the story is way weirder than even the one that they've given us about just a random explosion at the beginning of time. I think it's way stranger and more complex than that. And I don't think it really boils down to a single event either. But again, I am just a simple stoner host. But I am <laughs> curious, uh, you know, what you think. Maybe they, Maybe the elite didn't actually put these limiters on us, but they're definitely content to keep them there. I mean, our society seems structured to get our attention anywhere but on this kind of development. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I've never actually spoken about this publicly, but if you accept the law of one concept that there are essentially two paths to enlightenment or to spiritual progression, 
one would be called in the law of one, the path of service to others. And the other is the path of service to self. Mm -hmm. And my understanding, again, this is just my reading of it, my own process here, my own experience, my own thoughts. This is not a law of one concept, but it strikes me that those paths are very different energetically vis-a-vis the fragmentary body. If you're on a path of service to others, then you want to unify. You want unification. You want to experience unity. You want unity consciousness. Therefore, healing the fragmentary body is what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Because that helps all of those things. But if you're on the path of service to self, you're continuing to use the separation principle as an evolutionary motor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you don't want to heal the fragmentary body. Now, there is something, without using that language, and it's phrased very differently or framed very differently, there's something that is related to this somewhere on the Law of One, I, I recall reading at some point in terms of the energy body, or it could have been in another series of channelings that Carla Ruckert did. I think they were called the Quo readings or something like that. Anyway, I remember reading something that sparked some of these thoughts in me, but a lot of this is also just my own interpretation. So mm-hmm. just being clear there. Yes, and I also agree with you as well that you know the larger the separation you can create between you and the rest of the people, the more valuable your tools are from the perspective of service to self. I mean, we're talking Jedi and Sith here, you know. That is basically the thing. That is exactly right. And they're both forms of power. If you just step outside of the psychodrama of good versus evil, they're just paths. And they're both valid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if it is a big game, it's just about how you want to play. It's about how you want to play. Having said that, if you're on path of service to self, one of the things you must do at some point on your evolutionary journey is learn where your boundaries are and where you need to stand up for yourself if you're a Jedi and a Sith shows up in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that will mean different things to different people. There's a lot to be said for just walking away or opting out, that kind of thing. But sometimes that doesn't cut it. So we have to have other strategies for I hesitate to use the word defeat, but that's probably the right word for defeating the service to self faction in our world, you know, so. Right. Sometimes you turn the other cheek. Sometimes you come down with the fiery judgment of the flaming sword of justice. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get biblical, sometimes you you (laughs) kick the moneylenders out of the temple. Amen. I mean, I think Jesus kicked some ass in that scene, you know, so. Yeah. What do you do with that? (laughs) Well, in your book, when you're talking about the idea of the fragmented body, you do use the example of Adam and Eve, and biblical stories are not really my favorite way to go about things, but you note that this fracturing of our consciousness is an idea that's present not only there, but in many different religious texts and mystical schools throughout time. Maybe there is a reason it's so widespread and persistent. Where else do we see this idea, you know? I mean, pretty much anywhere that's sequestered away and anything that's ancient or indigenous, it seems to be there. Basically, outside of our Western bubble, it's there. Yeah, I mean, it shows up over and over again. And 
sometimes it has a kind of energetic focus. Sometimes it has a sort of a mythological focus, you know, or aspect to it for explaining it. In some ways, I think of the fragmentary body as, as the other, this thing that kind of inhabits our space with us that is and isn't part of us. And you could get into all kinds of epistemological discussions about the notion of the other all through world literature and religions. Indeed. And man, well, this is just really impressive stuff, man. You clearly have a well-developed system, a lot of advocates out there. I feel like people are taking all sorts of chances with the random pills that the system provides, and we see how well that's going. You might as well try something like potentiating your DNA, right? Why not? <laughs> Why not? And you can do it yourself. That's what. That's why I wrote Potentiate Your DNA. You can just learn to do it and do it yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your pets. Right. And it requires very little equipment. We have great feedback from pet owners, so, you know. That's interesting. What do people notice with their pets? Just more energy, seem to be happier? Yeah, yeah. Very often they also release parasites and all kinds of other things, too. Wow. Well, it is a pretty cheap system to try out. I mean, cheaper or as equivalent to a doctor's visit. So, I mean, why not give it a shot? Well, we do a free monthly ceremony for anyone who wants to experience it. It's just a sliding scale, meaning you can not pay anything if you don't want to. It's called a Worldwide Potentiation Ceremony. We do it typically the first Sunday of every month. So people can sign up for that. They can go to phoenixregenetics.org and sign up. And then I don't know exactly how much it costs, but if you buy a book and a single tuning fork, which is less than $100, then you can potentiate yourself and as many people as you like. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring that up because there's a lot of data that suggests that the power of mass intention really does have some potency. So I think the fact that you're doing a group worldwide ceremony, especially one that's on a donation basis, is pretty powerful. Are there other projects that the Phoenix Center for Regenetics is doing outside of the uh, worldwide potentiation ceremony? Well, relative to Regenetics, not so much at the moment anyway. I, my focus has been a new book that I hope to publish this coming year. It's called Musings from a Small Island. It's an illustrated memoir. It's sort of a snarky, comical, you know, crossing of Dave Barry. Peter Mayle and Anthony Bourdain that I illustrate with my paintings. Hmm. Wow. So that's been a big focus of mine for the last little bit. Very cool. Very cool. And before we really go, is there anything else to tell people about social media information, where to dive deeper, things like that? Sure. You can find me, Saul Luckman, on Facebook. You can also find the Phoenix Center for Regenetics on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, I'm on, I'm wherever, I'm across the board pretty much on social media, so feel free to contact me. You can also, if you go to phoenixregenetics.org, you can sign up for a free e-zine, DNA Monthly, which is full of good information. It's actually bi-monthly at this point in time, but we decided not to change the name because we liked it. My blog is snooze2awaken, that's snooze, the number 2 awakencom there's a lot of good content there. And my personal website is Crow Rising, Crow as in the bird, crowrising.com. And there's a lot of good free content there as well. 
Right. I believe I remember reading that it seems like the crow is maybe uh, your totem animal or spirit animal in a sense. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. I write about that and give some updates on that relationship in my new book. The book is humorous, but I do touch on some more weighty topics. (laughs) Gotta love the Corvids. Strange creature, the Corvids. Yeah. Strange, indeed, indeed. <laughs> and yes. also just to clarify, with the Sofeggio scale tuning forks, you only need one particular fork with, with your process. Is that right? With potentiation, as you move forward, you end up using six forks. Oh, okay, okay. You end up using the full original Sofeggio scale that Horowitz wrote about and healing codes for the biological apocalypse. Nice title there. <laughs> yeah, well, if apocalypse means a revealing of sorts, then I Yeah, think- I thought of it as a revelation, ultimately. It's, you know, that's been my experience, is that I was assaulted by this biological apocalypse that he was talking about, and it led to enormous revelations in my personal life, and those had been passed on to other people. Amen. Well, I'm glad you came out the other side. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Sometimes it felt like I was in a tunnel inside the tunnel. Oh, I believe it. Well, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed the time. I hope it's a process that helps the people out there that are willing to give it a shot. And I wish you the best, man. Take care out there. Well, thank you. And I hope it helps you too. And if it does, let us know. For sure. I will. And thanks for having me on. It was really fun. You got it. Take care. You too. All right. All right. Soul Luckman. (laughs) probably not what a lot of people saw coming, but I do hope you liked it. It seems like the episode we did with Eileen was just so popular, and that term slavery yoke and the idea of energetic limiters put on the shell of our meat suits is just so provocative, we had to revisit it. And it's totally possible. We don't really see the other side of reality very often. And if it's more primary than our own side, then any tinkering there would obviously affect this entire life from cradle to grave in the material world. And I like ideas that relate to these two sides of the coin, whether that might be that we all died in 2012, or that going towards the light is an arconic trap to get us stuck in the life-death energy suck and deny us our ascension. Because we don't really know what this life is. I feel as if a spirit school or even just a holographic sandbox to play in are phrases that are kind of circling around it, but we don't know. So any shred of evidence or aspect of a person's work, like the fragmented body, these energetic nerfs that two different energy workers have found, probably more, they make you think, what the hell is that all about? But the fact that we don't know, to me, speaks to it being a bit of a game. You don't want to know how the movie ends before it starts, right? But with this fragmented body thing, of course, I can't expect Soul to be able to break it all down. Just because you recognize a cell phone doesn't mean you could make one or explain the technology in enough detail to recreate one. But it is a provocative thing these two noticed. And I thought it warranted a follow-up show. And I agree with Soul that everything is consciousness, and we live in a fractal reality, most likely. But 
it starts to get a little hard to ask questions because all roads lead to that kind of answer, you know? Thanks, universe. <laughs> but it is a provocative question to ask if we find ourselves in stupid jobs working at the bottom of some pyramid, not only because that's how society is structured, but also potentially because it's how our DNA has been engineered. It's a lot to work through, <laughs> but maybe. Obviously, there's a lot we don't know about this energy disturbance, this limiter. But again, I keep saying it, but you got to find it interesting that Sol and Eileen noticed this independently. Both have healing techniques to smooth it out. And Sol's process is described as a waking meditation from that point. But it is still a mystery. Eileen, of course, is a bit more aggressive with that slavery yoke term and her thoughts about how it got there. Soul is thinking, I guess, a bit more big picture in that maybe we do this to ourselves, ultimately. Maybe it's the energetic VR helmet of the soul that makes this world possible or optimized for a taste of manifestation without life turning into some crazy, chaotic, god-mode bore-fest. Because that would get old. And I understand the desire to get out of a victim mentality. But I guess it's still just a bit unclear to me, because if this is a self-imposed or useful fracture of our holistic energy selves, why is it so connected to illness? Or why even have a process to work on it in the material world? If it's something that's needed for the game, why can you still operate here after it's been worked on without being blissed out or overstimulated? That's what makes me go back to that whole engineering question. But it's curious stuff. And I know this first show of December is coming out a bit late, but that's because I had several important things that I wanted to be able to say in this wrap-up. Number one is that I actually had a biofield tuning session yesterday. I contacted one of Eileen's students, and she came over and did the session on me, and then did one for my wife. And not surprisingly, I didn't physically feel a whole lot, but I did enjoy the experience and I did definitely notice the difference in the sound of the tuning fork as she moved it through the area where my field is supposed to be. Very trippy. I'm not going to adopt a new religion over it or anything, but it was validating. She also mentioned a few places where my field had disturbances and they matched up pretty well with big changes in my life. Because if you remember, Eileen's premise is that your memories and your emotional experiences are connected to your energy body, and it's kind of like rings on a tree. So you can go out and go in and kind of detect, you know, where disturbances are based on the year of your life. She also said that part of the field closest to me now that had a little dent in it was on my energy node relating to feeling stuck or somewhat stagnant. And that's pretty much exactly where I am. Don't get me wrong, things are great. The show is going really well. But I do have this little what now voice in the back of my head, if I'm being honest. But I never seem to get past just maintaining this monthly cycle and all that it entails. And it's a little frustrating that I can't get another project or two 
added to the pile. It's definitely a feeling of being stuck, not knowing what the next step really is. And maybe we all feel like that, but it's not something that I feel as if I project or something that a person would surmise from the brief cliff notes of my life. And my wife got an even crazier hit. Obviously, it's a personal thing, but it definitely made her a believer. And even I was like, wow, uh, how the hell did she dig that out? So I think there is something to these modalities for sure. I don't know if we have it completely figured out yet, but I am on board with the broad picture. And I'm going to try the potentiation process before too long and see what happens over the next nine months. What do you got to lose? Yeah, I mean, I guess we're all busy, but it's not like we don't waste a half hour on a shitty sitcom here or there. You know, try it out. Something I was thinking is that, you know, maybe it's like ritual magic and that just putting on the robe and lighting the candles and saying the incantation is enough for your subconscious to see the intention and then act on it. Maybe it's not the act itself, but the effort. That could be when it comes to manifestation and abundance attraction and forcing your will and all that. But I wanted to be able to at least mention those things about the biofield tuning session in this wrap-up because they're pretty related. Although I hate making one guest's show so tied up with another guest's appearance, it's not really letting them have the full spotlight. But either way, it is what it is. One other piece of news I wanted to break was that we now have a support ticketing system for THC+. My inbox has been so crazy over the last few months. Obviously, we had tech issues, but there's also a lot of people forgetting their passwords. What's my username? And it's a lot for little old me. And now, in an effort to kind of offload that Gmail yoke, that's been choking me out for the past couple of months. I have a very capable and competent tech guy working with me now. Web guy Mike, we could call him. And he's going to help me with these support tickets. So if you want to email me about guest suggestions or praise or scorn or any other thing, great. But if you need THC Plus support, please use this new system and we can help you out a lot faster. That just launched on Monday. I also wanted to say that the next joint session is going to be on the 20th because it's obviously not going to be on Christmas Day. So December 20th at 7 p.m. Pacific, I'll update the link on the front page of the site as we get closer. We're also very close to fixing the jumbled up bonus content page. It's needed work since the integration of the two sites. So I kind of stopped putting joint sessions on it because I want to reorganize everything and make it more user-friendly. Bonus content starts to stack up over the years, and then before you know it, we got a mess of a page. But some aspects of the redesign made it harder for me to actually get in there and technically make changes. So our web guy also helped me there, and I'm going to get it all sorted out this week. I've also been going through the archive from the very beginning and updating all the artwork to be consistent and trying to get the pre-plus shows in a plus subscriber's feed before they wouldn't because they were on different websites. But now if you're a plus member, you can easily get all the pre-plus shows too without having to fumble around on a different website. 
and it's going to look a lot nicer when everything's consistent going back to the beginning. It's funny that people think I might be some like connected shill or secret Freemason or this all might be some elaborate ruse to suck you into something. Because if that was true, you'd think I would have hit the scene with a bigger bang. You know, you think I would have had more consistency with the whole thing and it wouldn't have just been me flying by the seat of my pants working on this slow burn to the THC promised land, you know. <laughs> Most of the time when I'm skeptical of something, it's so damn polished. I'm like, wow, there's some clear money behind that, some clear energy there. <laughs> and I think that the THC history is pretty lacking in that department. We've been a little all over the place, but consistency is key. I think I nailed that with the on-air portion, but I'm trying to shore up the website in that same regard. I'm up to episode uh, 80 or so, but I still got a lot of work to do, so I've been busy. But I've also been recording shows before we get into the holiday weeks, and I got a couple of bangers coming up, I will say. I'm really psyched about the next two. <laughs> but this one gets us started, so big thanks again to Soul Luckman. Of course, we have a second hour for Plus Members where we talked about curious aspects of Soul's potentiation process and what they might say about the mechanisms and rules of reality, novelty in a post-2012 world, the odd things that have come out of people during their post-potentiation process purge, the question of if Lyme disease is really just vaccine damage, parasite purging, the other three steps in the regenetics process, and what show would be complete without a little conversation about self-control versus self-mastery. All useful info, I would say. Hopefully some people feel a bit motivated to either join Plus or get Soul's book. For me, I just really liked his story too. Lots of hits on the THC bingo card, right? Vaccine damage, contact experiences, gifted knowledge, self-healing. It's all there. So again, big thanks to him, and I will see you soon. Take care. I've done my part. Your move, energetic limiter engineers, fragmented body facilitators, and people with that sad, sad, unpotentiated DNA. Your fucking move. This is important. Hear what I said. I'm trying to tell you It's not paranoia, not in my head It's just the hard truth Knocked on your door while well, I still can To ask you a question Cause I know your head is still in the sand Don't be sheep till you slaughter for the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed, but you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you see that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung fu? Can't you just admit we're screwed?
But we don't have a choice It seems we're stuck here But you can find noses Drown out the noise Now use that altar End up your magic game And listen to THC you know You go with the entities If you ever see the UFO Don't be sheep to your slaughter For the rest of your life Oppressed, oppressed But you're getting woke You say you don't want to be stressed Until the day you die Tough luck, my friend Did you get the memo? Can't you say that we're so screwed? Don't you know we're our kung food? Can't you just admit we're screwed? I'm gonna tell you this Just see that we're so 